Well, we, we've got an election coming up, or at least we've got a primary election coming up next week. And one of the things that will be on our ballot, be on many ballots, is a vote for magistrate or for judge. Um, but one thing I've discovered in life is that judges aren't always elected and they aren't always appointed. You see, this world is filled with judges. They may not sit on a bench. They may not wear a black robe. They may not carry a gavel. But you yourself know that you have been judged, right? There have been people who have sat in judgment, stood in judgment over you. It doesn't have to happen in a courtroom. It can happen in uh, it can happen at a grocery store. It can happen at a pharmacy. It can just happen walking down your street. It can even happen in a church building. Judging, judgment happens. We have been judged. And here's the thing about it. We also have played the role of judge, haven't we? I know I have. You look at someone, you make a snap decision on who they are or what they're like, simply about how they look or how they talk or how they dress only to discover later, man, I really blew that. I didn't have any clue. And so here we are. We're, we live in a world full of, of judges. We are judged and we cast judgments and then Jesus speaks into our lives. In Matthew chapter 7, in Matthew chapter 7, we read these words. It says, judge not that you be not judged. Verse 1. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or, or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly how to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, these, this verse, especially verse 1, especially the first few words of verse 1, uh, some have taken that to mean that Jesus is given a kind of an anything goes carte blanche statement here. That we should not in any way uh, have any kind of judgment about anyone else. Live and let live kind of thing. Don't, don't criticize somebody for, for what they do or, or how they act or their lifestyle, their choices that they make. As a matter of fact, we're not even supposed to comment on their choices. We're supposed to pretend that it, it doesn't matter. Everyone can do what is right in their own eyes. And we have no right to say anything about it. Well, I guess you could come down with that kind of an understanding if you just decided to take a, a small portion of what Jesus said. Don't judge. And if you stop there, I guess you're fully justified then to, to say that Jesus was basically saying anything goes. But if you read the rest of just those five verses, or if you jump down later, maybe this afternoon, you want to read through it all, read through verses 15 to 20, and what you discover is Jesus is not saying, hey, anything goes, don't worry about it. What he's saying is how you measure out judgment to others. That's the measure. It'll be measured out to you. 
My grandmother always used to have yardsticks at her house. I mean, I think we may have one somewhere at our house. They're kind of hard to come by now. Used to, they gave them away. It was a good thing they gave them away because she broke many of them on me. But those, a yardstick, basically we know a, that's, a, that's three feet, okay? And so as long as it's not broken up or, or broken or, or, or snapped or cut in half or something like that, we know, hey, that's three feet and we can measure three feet here and we can measure three feet here, we can measure three feet here. As a matter of fact, we had a big six-foot stick we measured between chairs in here. And as long as you're using the same measure, okay, you're, that's fair, that's right. What Jesus is saying is, Really be careful the kind of yardstick that you use when you're measuring other people. Are you willing to use that same yardstick on your own life? Notice what he said. He says, listen, he said, you go and you want to help somebody out, point out somebody else's issues. You go to your brother, your sister, and you see the speck in their eye. And you go, hey, let me help you out with that. All the while, you're walking around with a log sticking out of your own eye. Do, you, do we see the hypocrisy in that? Because that's exactly what Jesus was talking about. He's talking about this hypocritical, hypercritical judgment where we cut ourselves a lot of slack, but we don't cut anybody else any slack at all. Jesus said, whatever the measure you'd like to be measured by, why don't you use that with someone else? Because the other way around uh, is not good. We are not to be judges robed in hypocrisy. Judges wear these black robes, right? The judges that Jesus was talking about, the Pharisees, the hypocrites, wore a robe of hypocrisy. And Jesus said, it ought not not be like that. Uh, We're not to act as if we are paragons of virtue, as if we don't have any issues to deal with. It's just somebody else who has all the problems. And so we want to be awfully careful because Jesus is crystal clear about hypocritical judgment. And so we want to stay far, far away from it. As a matter of fact, in the book of James, we read that we aren't to be judges with evil motives. Who would want to, if you had to go before a judge, would you, would you like to have a judge with evil motives? A judge with preset biases? Okay, we don't want that. Jesus says that's not how our lives are to be. Now, when we think about God as judge, we don't have to worry about that. Because God has no hypocrisy in him. As a matter of fact, we read in Psalm 89, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. And then in Deuteronomy, we read, for the the Lord your God is God of gods, the Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. God, you're not going to twist God's arm. You're not going to put God in a corner. You're not going to get him to, to weigh on this side, your side, as opposed to that side. You could find judges who might do that. I, I hope that none that we get a chance to vote for would do that. We don't want judges who are partial. We don't want judges who take a bribing. God doesn't want that in our lives either, and God's not that kind of judge. And because, because we're made in the image of God, 
and that God is, is his judgments are, are pure and righteous because that's the kind of judge he is, pure and righteous. Because we're made in his image, we have this desire to see justice done. We have a heart to see justice done. We want evildoers punished and we want innocent people protected. And we want justice to be carried out with equity. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your social standard is. It doesn't matter what side of the tracks you were born on. We want everybody in the court of law, right, to be treated fairly with equity across the board. And, and that, listen, here's the deal. God wants that too. That's God's heart. Listen to this. In Proverbs 17, we read, He who justifies the wicked, that means makes excuses for evil people, and who condemns the righteous. Again, you see how now we've got inequity here. you You should give justice equally. No, 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 no. We are we're justifying the wicked. We're condemning the righteous. Both of those, it says, are an abomination to the Lord. Now, what's that word abomination mean? It basically means that it is an, a, a, a terrible offense to God. God hates it. It turns his stomach. It is, it is awful. Okay, God doesn't want this to be this way. And then we read in, in, in Amos chapter 5, a verse that we often hear quoted, but let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like the ever-flowing stream. This is God's heart. He wants to see justice done. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we should join with our brothers and sisters in Christ in our quest to see justice and righteousness roll through our nation like a river. What does that mean? It means that we should not be content when unarmed black men and women are killed in the streets. It means, Church of God, that we are not to be content when police officers of any race are shot at. It means, Church, that we ought not be content when young boys and young girls are kidnapped and traded into sexual slavery. It means, church of God, that, that we ought not be content when rich and poor don't get an, a fair shake in the court of law. It means, church of God, that, that we should not be content when violence runs unchecked in the streets. Because I'll tell you this, God is not content with that. God is a God of justice. He wants it to be done right. And when it's not, it's an abomination to him. And so it's time, church, no matter what your political persuasion, that we put our, our, our politics and our political slogans in a box And instead, we listen to the heart cry of God. Let me tell you what God's heart is saying to us. In Micah chapter 6, verse 8, we read this verse. O people, the Lord has told you what is good. Now, isn't it great when you're wondering, okay, God, what what should I do? How, How should I respond? How should I act? Isn't it great that we don't have to guess at it? It's written right there. 
for everybody to see. All right, what, what is it that the Lord has, what's, what's good in his eyes? What does he require of you? And he, and he lists three things. To do what is right. Or in some translations, to act justly. To do what is right. That should be a no-brainer, shouldn't it? In every situation, in every opportunity where we have the chance, we ought to do what is right as far as we know what the right thing is to do. We ought to do it. Love mercy. Mercy, as we talked about last week, is not necessarily giving people what they deserve. In other words, you don't necessarily have to pull the full weight down on them, be merciful to them. We love to receive mercy, don't we? I don't know if any of you ever bounced a check or had an issue at the bank like that, and, and you have to, to go to the bank, and uh, maybe you call them and you go, hey, listen, I, 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 the money's in the account. It just got there a day late. You begin to explain it, and then that bank, the person on the other end of the phone or the person sitting across from you says, that's okay, we'll take that off. We'll take that, we'll take that, that penalty off. Man, when that happens, that's an awesome thing. Or when you hurt somebody, when you've wronged somebody, and they forgive you, and they don't, they don't hold it against you, you feel great because someone has shown you mercy. We love to get mercy. We need to be a people who love to show mercy. To do what's right, to love mercy. And I love this last one, to walk humbly with your God. Not to walk in arrogance, but to recognize that we are privileged to walk along with God because we have been brought into a relationship through his grace and through his mercy. It's not that, hey, look at us, we're good. Hey, it's not that, that, you know, hey, I'm so much better than you because I'm walking. When we walk with God, we walk humbly with our God. It's a relationship that we live in. So if we ever want to know what to do, hey, listen, let me give, this is your default setting, okay? Do what's right, love mercy, and walk humbly every day with your God. Now, we ought to stand for, for justice in our neighborhoods, for justice in our, our nation. But ultimately... Judgment belongs to the Lord. Ultimately, judgment goes right back to that pure and righteous judge. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 tells us, I said in my heart, God will judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time for every matter and for every work. And then let me turn your attention to Revelation chapter 20. A lot of people, they read through Revelation, they go, I, I, I didn't understand it. I think you'll understand this. Verse 11. And then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. And no place was found for them. And I saw the, the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and books were opened. Then another book was opened which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they'd done. And the sea gave up their dead who were in it. 
Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one of them, according to what they'd done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if any name was not written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Wow. That's some heavy stuff right there, isn't it? We may have unfair judges in our courtrooms and on the streets. You may have sat as an unfair, unjust judge in your life on someone. But there is a judge who is pure, who is righteous, who can't be bought. And his judgment is final. And his judgment is is coming. Do I know when it's coming? No. Do I know that it's coming? Yes. In the world in which we live, this fallen world, this broken world, does anybody have any doubts that we live in a broken, messed up world? In this broken, messed up world in which we live, we will never see justice done perfectly. Not here. Because it's an imperfect world. These are imperfect people. We're always going to do it imperfectly. That should not be our aim. We should not be satisfied with that. God certainly isn't satisfied with that. But we understand that that in this world, it's not going to happen. Not everybody in this world is going to do what's right, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. It's just not going to happen. But we should also remember there's a day coming when God is going to balance the scales. He's going to set all things right. No one will escape. Each one, it says here in Revelation 20, each one is going to receive. He's not going to just go, okay, you guys over here, you guys over here. I'll just, okay, because you were, you were this political party or because you took this stance or because you did that. Okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to bulk you up together. Okay, you're good to go. Now, each one. And I want to tell you this, if you didn't know it already, God is not going to permit sin into heaven. It just ain't going to happen. He is a pure and holy and righteous God and no sin will ever get into heaven. All sin is going to be judged. So where does that leave us? Imperfect people that we are. Well, quite honestly, and I'm not trying to offend anybody, quite honestly, apart from faith in Jesus Christ, it leaves us lost and in the express lane to hell. Quite honestly, that's where it leaves us, apart from Jesus. And so we will either receive the judgment of God for our sin, or we will accept the truth that Jesus has taken on himself the judgment that should be ours. Honestly, there's no other place to stand. It's in one of those two places. Either we will accept fully the weight of sin, the weight of guilt, the weight of judgment on ourselves. We will pay for what we have done or by faith in Jesus Christ, we will receive forgiveness 
And Jesus cancels the debt of sin. It's one or the other. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 5, for our sake. Who does that include? <laughs> includes all of you. Includes you watching. For our sake. God the Father made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. No sin. None. Jesus to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Look at this great exchange that takes place. Jesus takes our sin. And, and it's not like a buffet where he just picks and chooses. He takes it all. Does that mean the little white lies? Yes. Does that mean those lies that weren't so little or so white? Yes. The worst thing that you have ever done, the worst thing that you have ever thought, the worst thing that you have ever said or will think or will do or will say, he took it all willingly. Took it so that we might have his righteousness. Imagine that God's love for you was so great that he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the price for our sins so that we might have his righteousness. No sin enters into heaven but those saved by the blood of the lamb whose names are written in the lamb's book of life will live with him forever. Is that you? Do you know? Is that you? There's only one way the Bible tells us that we can be clean of all our sins. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, let me tell you, your name is not written in the Lamb's Book of Life, but it can be today, this morning. How does that happen? It happens when we turn from our sins and we turn to God. We place our faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, as the one who's paid the price for our sins, who loved us and died for us. And we choose to abandon self and selfishness and follow Jesus. Whether you're here or you're watching, let me tell you, you can do that today simply by going in faith, confessing your sins, placing your trust in Christ. And, and if that happens, I want to know about it. As a matter of fact, before we pray here, I just want to let you know that if God has touched your heart and you know you need to take a step in, in a relationship with him through faith in his son, there are a number of ways you can let us know. If you're watching or even if you're here, you can actually send a text message right now to 706-703-4477. You can text Jesus and we will get that text message and we will follow right back up with you. Even if you just have questions about it or maybe 
maybe what you need is you, you want to you need to write some out a little longer and you, you don't want to do all this there's a, an email just for you my next steps at gracefellowship.ws and for those who are in the service today let me encourage you if you go hey listen I I, I need to talk to someone today then then when we come to that time of dismissal I just want you to s- just stay there okay someone will come to you to talk with you and to help you take that step of faith we're not doing the invitation like we normally do okay but but we want to give people an opportunity to respond would you join your hearts with me in prayer Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for the privilege of gathering, whether we're gathering electronically or personally. We thank you, Father, that we come together for one purpose and one purpose alone. And that is to give you the praise and the honor and the glory with our hearts, with our lips, and with our lives. Lord, we come to thank you for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. And I pray right now, if there's one person who this day has made a step of faith to trust in Christ, that they would not be content to leave that private, but they'd be willing to share that so that we can help them, encourage them. Father, I thank you for the salvation that you give, so full, so free. And Lord, I pray for us who are your people, that we will have a heart after your own heart, that we would not be hypocritical judges of others. We would truly, truly ask, come to you and say, God, remove whatever it is from my life that, that keeps me from seeing things the way I ought to see them. Lord, we want to be people who do the right thing, who love mercy, and who walk every day humbly with you. And we thank you that through the power of salvation in Jesus Christ through the power of your Holy Spirit who lives in us, we can do that very thing. Lord, we love you. We praise you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is the My Next Steps information referred to in today's message. The email is mynextsteps at gracefellowship.ws To text information, text the word Jesus to 706-703-4477 Someone will be in contact with you shortly. Thanks again and God bless.